0: Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes, rock on. Good evening, hello, and welcome to another fishing Friday. Um, here we go. Samantha Little, first on, fellow fish from Maidenhead, Pier- Piero Kokova from Ledgeworth, Alan Copleston, hello, Greg Haylett, Steve Goodridge. Patrick Wooters from Luxembourg. Hi Patrick, Sean Holiday from Cumbria, uh, Jesse Ann McConnell from Helensborough. Mark mccafferty to Cotebridge, And Evans from a rather mild Mansfield. Uh, Peter van Egden from Brela Holland, Tim Sycamore from Pontefract, Robert Olsen, Chris Harris, IO, Brian G. Smith, Victory Suero from Buenos Aires. Jason Brooks from Cash Alton, Michael Forshaw, Trevor Shoe from Norwich, Hacken Ackelson from Sweden. It's all coming on, it's international once again. Good evening and welcome to episode 51 of Fish on Friday. 51. 100 and, what's that? It'll be 102 hours. 102 hours of broadcasting from this wee place here in East Lothian. Unbelievable, isn't it? 51 shows. And next year is our first anniversary. So we're going to have to plan something special for it. So, uh, um, uh, all I'll I'll say is um, Rob Scarron? If you're watching, will you please phone me like you promised so we can get together and discuss the special things and things? Oh. I'm in a good mood. I was, um, well, I'm in a good mood. I'm tempered. Um, my daughter Tara will be probably watching because uh, I was absolutely raging earlier on this afternoon. I'll show you in a minute why, but it's, uh, but I'm over it. I've kind of I'm at peace with myself. But I'll show you the garden because it's great and it's sunny and it's bright and it's wonderful. And um, you can see that the, the first of the the dafts and stuff. It's just a beautiful night here. It's absolutely stunning. Look at this. Daffs are Kimbo and the wonderful sound of lights. Sorry, wonderful sound of bells. God the Daffs, man, it's great. Absolutely stunning. There's a the farmer, it's Mr. Henderson. And that's the view we get here. That's the line of yours. Isn't that brilliant? It's a farm I live on. I live in this farm, but it's, um... <laughs> I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be... I'm, I'm coming down, calm down. This is all my garlic all coming through. It's, I just was feeding all that today. So, um, I had all this fish, blood and bone, and it grew organics. Liam's cloche was splendid. But it's, uh... Yeah, it's great. It's just... I know, the purple flowers. But that was, um that there you nearly didn't have a fishing friday this week that is a a manhole cover top underneath that is um it's an underground rainwater harvester and there's a great big tank in there and basically the water comes off i get the water off the roof so i get rainwater in there and it goes up to a tap that's there and i've got a really happening little pump called a, a dab divertron and it's a pressure pump which means that when you turn the tap on it releases the pressure and it activates the pump, the pump switches on, and I can squish the garden up. And the idea is that it's, um, I'm putting fresh rainwater on all the crops rather than tap water. But it's, um, there's the carrots thing. The cabin is just about ours again. The builders have been getting on with disco bog too. Well, it's not really a disco bog. It's our bathroom. The bath, the bath, the bath. It's in. Not working, but it's in. But that's what we're dealing with now. My little pond, wisteria I know this sounds like Funny Farm Kitchen Garden at the moment But it's a good introduction But the cabin, we're all set up We've got a sofa bed in there So um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks Tara and her boyfriend will be coming down to stay with us And we'll have an outside toilet That is not the outside toilet by the way That's just a toilet Um, That's waiting to go in to the outside toilet (laughs) But yeah, so I've still got the kale Bits and pieces, the leaks are still on but the cabin—it's no called, We call it the backstage area. That's, we'd we'd just rather call it the cabin. It's the backstage area, and um, we're going to—I'm going to put up a bunch of old kind of tour posters and things in there. And it's um, but this is what we hear all the time. It's great. But yeah, I'll see you on the other side. So I'll put the fire on for you, so that um, yeah, I felt I was needed it it misses it when I do the tracks and the track tonight is Jungle Ride oh perfect you couldn't have picked a better one it was like it just it fits in with my frame of mind at the moment and my kind of my emotional sense of now out the kitchen oh look a pheasant we've got a counted about it's now trying to find out where it is Oh, trying to reconnect back on it's worrying because we normally fly directly up from the bed but I put um, all these beds out this week got them all organic fertilizer, <clears throat> fish blood and bone there it goes it's, um, sorry lost you there but it's um but yeah so that's the beds that's going to be for brassicas and all my autumn plantings, and where the fig tree is which is uh, the fig tree that came from Switzerland in the back of a bus Didn't nick it, right, I bought it But it came from the back of a bus, can not do that now, right So that's been all trimmed and ready to go And then I've got a cucumber frame there And I've got another frame there Which is for gherkins and stuff And I can't take you out to the greenhouse because the signal goes But um, I've got a lot, the toms are doing really well The chilies are kind of coming on but they're really slow But then again I've just got to be patient But yeah, it's beautiful I'm loving it at the moment. But yeah, I never showed you what the problem was. (coughs) I live in a farm. Come on. But if you look across there, there's containers. Somebody planted three containers that I can now see out the kitchen. I spend all this time getting the garden looking lovely, getting the greenhouse. Now, when I go in the greenhouse, when I take down the insulation, I'm going to be staring at bloody containers because it's like the farm that I live on seems to be gradually becoming an industrial estate, which is not what I bought into. But my daughter's probably sitting there going, Dad, Dad, don't, don't, don't. I won't. I'm going to be calm. Put uh, a little letter in. Anyway, Lindy Dublin. Yes. Jonathan Sweeney, Kiora from New Zealand. Elizabeth Jorgensen. Paul Thompson, <laughs> wind chimes, yeah, they are loud. We've got some round. I'll say, I, I love them. I love the sound of them. They get a bit blowy, you know, because we got a southwesterly that comes in from the southwest, funnily enough. And uh, and that, when that traps in, that's a that's a mega blow. And they rattle, but I like it. I mean, I've got tinnitus, right? <clears throat> so it's um, so any any noise that's apart from the, the high pitched whistle is welcome. <laughs> Yeah, so I've got my ear syringe today. It's great. It's like, you know, I think it's Men in Black. There's a scene in Men in Black where when the, the, the girl puts the tongue in the ear and it goes all the way out the other side. That was kind of what it felt like today. But I had... Um, uh, I basically had... A, a, this ear was blocked. And um, and I've got very narrow ear canals, believe it or not. And, um, and these narrow ear canals, you know, I, I've... I know you're not supposed to use cotton buds, but, you know... And I, I don't ram them in stuff, right? But I take the end off and I kind of just twirl them around and try and catch the inside of the ear. But this one, it just... It got too much. But, I mean, by having narrow canals, I used to have terrible problems when I was in America. I hated it. When we first went to America in, uh, in 83... We were swimming in all these kind of dodgy holiday inn pools, you know, the ones at the side of the freeways, and like, you know, ah, oh, wow, the hotel's got a pool, yay, yay, yay. pshh, you know, off after the gig into the bar, sh, into the pool, ksh, yay, 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 and I found this this thing called swimmer's ear. I'd never even heard of it before, and uh, oh no, excuse me, I'm very, very busy at the moment. Takes delivery. I hate when the text delivery systems come in on my phone. it down. I know he said, Dave Barris, if you send that, don't send me anymore, please. The text delivery services on my phone. Send a proper text on my mobile. Anyway, swim as here. Basically, it's, it's uh, because the waters were always dirty, you know, people peeing in them and stuff. Musicians peeing in them at night after, bull, after gigs. But... Um, but yes, I used to get these infections in my ear all the time and I used to go to the chemists and you could you could buy these little bottles and it was like, you'd put it in your ear and it just it sounded like cremola foam in your ear. And um, But I kept on getting really bad infections and I've always had problems. My dad had the same shit going down with his ears. He did the same thing. But um, but when they get gummed up, it's really bad. The worst one I ever had, right? Which takes me on a story. Andre's Dahl was asking about, you know, ridiculous things that you did on tour right and i'm not very proud of this but it wasn't really me that did it right but um we played sheffield my bogey place sheffield's always been a, a kind of bogey place for me and um it's you know things always happen i smacked my head trying to get back to the stage one night smacked it on a, a, an overhead step running down with paul lewis and bleeding head on stage to do margaret and things Then I had, I lost my voice on between sound checking the gig, and when everybody was packed into the the Sheffield City Hall, I had to cancel the gig. And I've always had, I always get really nervous when I play Sheffield. But one time I remember playing Sheffield, Um, I had a problem with my ears, and I went to get them syringed because back in those days, syringing was kind of allowed. They don't do it now. And uh, because of the risk to eardrums and things. So I went in to get my ears syringed. And they must have used dirty equipment or the the equipment wasn't sterile. And I got boils in my ears, right? And I got two, both my ears had boils. It was so painful. And I remember I had to get all the way down to Bournemouth. And we were doing a gig in in Bournemouth. And I was taking a lot of painkillers, you know, because it was painful, right? And, um, uh, and it was, um, I remember being in this hotel in Bournemouth and I went out on a load of painkillers and we all got very, very drunk. I came back to the hotel and in the hotel reception there was a great big chocolate egg that was being raffled for a local charity, right? And it was like a massive chocolate egg, I mean, about three times the size of a rugby ball, right? I saw that post, yes, I hope we tan, I hope we beat the French tonight just to help our Welsh friends out. And, um, but anyway, so big chocolate egg. Looks like a huge rugby ball, and somebody must have thought it was. Because one of the crew nicked it from the hotel reception. When the receptionist had a back turned, they nicked this massive egg. And I'm talking a big egg, right? And we were all on the kind of the, the, the basement floor that had these French windows that went out the garden, and we are all running about the corridors, like, going nutty and, you know. We were very young. And, as I said, very, very drunk. And, um, and they were throwing this egg about, this big chocolate egg about, like a rugby ball, and it was like, whoa, catch. Oh, running, oh catch. And somebody threw it to Private Hedge or a sound Engineer, and he went, uh-uh. And the egg landed on the floor, and it was like oh. it was like no. And this thing broke into bits. And uh, and it had a it, it had a big tinfoil, it had a tinfoil wrapper around it, right? So we went into the bedrooms. And we're in the bedroom rebuilding the egg, but of course, like there's always somebody goes. And they're building this egg up, all the bits were missing sections out and stuff. And they put it back on, on the, it put, they put it back in reception in the middle of the night, right? And uh, because there was somebody was, it went around, as somebody stolen the egg from a hotel reception. Does anybody know? No, nope. Don't know anybody, mate. And anyway, this egg, ended up, and it was the most misshapen, malformed chocolate egg that you've ever seen in your life, which ties in lovely with the Easter thing. But it was like, and everybody's going, "Private, you bastard. Right? And um, well, we got thrown at the hotel eventually. But um, I was in Bournemouth with boils in my ears. So, all fun. Robert Marotta, good evening. Peter van den Uert, 013 cancelled? Yes. The entire European tour has gone. Um, it's impossible to plan with COVID. We, can't, we would have to start planning basically in the next month, two months. And there's not enough vaccinations rolled out in Europe. I'm not going to get into that. But um, um, it's too risky. We, we can't go out on a tour where we're losing shows or playing socially distanced gigs. And like many other people... I mean, Stephen Wilson actually sent me an email. I was contacting Stephen because, funnily enough, um, I was paying him some publishing that I was due him for the Sunset. It's an Empire album where Jungle Fright, blah, blah, blah. See the way this all spins around and... It sounds like it's all meant to be, right? So, yes, Stephen told me that, you know, he was having to pull his entire European tour as well. Luckily, uh, as I said, um, there are six UK dates. And with the vaccination rollout happening over here as it is, there's the strong possibility that these gigs will go ahead, that they won't be socially distanced. I mean... And um, so the six shows, I spoke to Mark at Gig Cartel about maybe adding some shows, but he said, forget it. He said, all the venues are booked up. In fact, I think Marillion are doing some UK shows at that time as well. And um, so it's the six shows. And if that happens, I will be walking out for the first gig in, what is it now, 20 months or something? The first gig in 20 months, walking out onto Glasgow O2 Academy stage. Ah. Oh. That is going to be some night, right? But yeah, so we've got the six UK shows. Let's talk about something else that I don't want to get into at the moment because it's in very early, 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 early planning stages. But um, so the six shows, and John Mitchell will be coming in on guitars, as I think I said before, because Marcel, who's brilliant, we'd have to get him a visa for coming across because Brexit works both ways. And... I think I said as well, Yata's uh, been registered and he's going to be dealing with all the, the pre tour stuff. And then I've got somebody else coming in as, as a tour manager. So that's kind of what it is. But I'm really, I'm, the European tour, I'm absolutely gutted, you know, because I'd hoped, you know, even this year to have the Vigil album out and be able to take the albums out to, to, to the European mainland and sell them on the merchandise and it would have been great. And that's all been ripped apart. So it's a big hit. It's a very, very big hit. And I'm back to relying on merchandise again. And in all honesty, I don't think I'm going to be on the road until 2023. Uh, not through choice, but because all the bands have been moving their gigs and it's kind of the 220 shows that I had that moved to 221. I, just, I can't do Vigilant Veldshmi. The next tour will be my farewell tour. And uh if these six gigs happen in the UK, which, as I said, I hope they do, these will be the only performances of Matson uh, and, and Vigil together. Um, it's believe me, it's not through choice. It's it, it, it's if you knew the numbers, it'd make your teeth bleed. And this was all supposed to be part of my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to be part of the pension fund, which that's all gone now. So um, gardening is becoming. E- more important these days, so uh, so yeah, so the European tour, the dates are not being postponed, they are cancelled. So I said quite a while back to people, please don't buy tickets because you'll not get your, your, your ticket fund, your ticket master funds, or your, your ticket agency funds, whatever they don't, or they've not been repaying them. And uh, and the ticketing has got nothing to do with me, it's all to do with uh, um, uh the kind of um, the local gigs and like I said the, the ticket and agencies in the various countries so it's, uh, it's a pain Stephen Aldrich Grand Rapids Irma Van Bigson uh, let's just go on to Fish and Friday yeah <laughs> it could be going forever <laughs> this could be it for the rest of my life uh, Fish and Friday yeah Keith Albury tickets for Southampton booked uh, James booked into Bristol yeah, Mark Scotch is from Chile hello Stephen Ahrens Michael Hendricks B Leo Johan Romkin. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Annie Heath, you had your first job today, well done. Uh, a couple of things. Uh da 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 Simona gave me them. Oh, where is it? What's it? Oh, I've got some good stuff. Um Uh said to Simona. Uh so hello Dean Goodall, right? Uh Dean. And I have been watching since I've gone, but he's had a pretty awful time recently. It'd be amazing to fish could see hi. Missing, asking for Dean's birthday, which was on the 2nd of February. So Dean's been a big fan. So Dean and Charlotte Eve in, Ch- in Kermarthen. Right. Yeah, we'll do it for you. We'll do it for you. All right. Um... This is from Anthony Jackson. I worked for the NHS for 26 years in mental health and to be honest, fishing Fridays, a welcome escape for me on Fridays with homemade cider. Well done. Um, now here comes a beg. When I was 21, you sent me a birthday card. It was a time of when lady let lie was due. When I turned 40, I got a card from you. How the years fly by. I've kept both cards in my secret memories box. I got one of them too. And uh, along with other items from over the years, so I'm asking of this Fishing Friday if you give me a 46th birthday shout out as my birthday is on March the 29th on Monday. Luckily I'm off work so I can have a pint. Right. Uh, also I have a confession of nicking things. I confess at the Feast of the Consequences tour Homeforth, you came in the pub and sat near me and my mate to eat. Oh, go away! <laughs> darling, could you get that please? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, darling. It's a of bloody text messages. Right. I also have a confession to take things confess that the Feast of Consequences tour Homeforth you came in the pub and sat near me and, me and my mate to eat we didn't hassle you as you was with Tara and friends but I did nick your glass when you left I'm not a stalker honest anyway happy birthday Anthony Jackson so uh, yeah Peter Gabriel Ada oh go away oh damn don't I hate it when it does this go away go away Great. Andy Chambers, Southampton Kai parameter, but you have your health We will hopefully see you in November in Southampton Yep It's going to be great I mean, you know, I'm anticipating all these shows um, Getting really big turnouts And uh, and I'm really looking forward to it And um, I might flip Script for Fugazi Or I might play both I'm not sure yet But I mean, everybody in the band's kind of, We've got a real buzz going on this week because if suddenly we fit. it's like, we've got an outlet. We have an outlet. We can do something, you know. Andy Chambers, how's to doing after a jab? She was rubbish. It was, um, she had the jab on the Saturday across at the Pyramids and um, in Bathgate and she was fine on the Saturday night. On Sunday, she was absolutely totaled and we were nearly going to, I was suggesting that we should shut the shop on the Monday because she was feeling so bad on the Sunday but she got through it fine, you know. Uh, da, da, da. galaxy salted caramel chocolates pray awesome leslie Moys gary sutherland greeting, greeting some kinlock berby duke Vitali from finland barry lloyd from norwich owen redmore annan uh, mark tuate got my first job in gold bridge on good friday bob falk can your daughter tara sing no i do have a video of her Doing a brilliant mime on the tour bus when she was very very drunk in the downstairs lounge, and uh, and I've still got it somewhere. And it was um, it's like uh, it was oh, I can't remember what song it was. It'll come to me. It'll come with me. Uh, Darren Wells, jabbing to Monday 29th. I'm hopefully going to be getting my second one soon. Is that Tommy Frank? will you record one of the UK shows. Yeah, we'll record this. We'll definitely record the shows. I have to. I mean, it's like we need to get. Like I said, I mean, I'm not going to be touring in 2022. I mean, it's going to be impossible to tour. I've got to turn the fire Ah. on. Like I said, I've got the fire I've got the fire on for you today. And, um, and Simone has been working uh, rosemary. She cut a load of rosemary out of the garden and it's been drying on the dining table all week. And um, and it's... Where's your big bag of rosemary, darling? Um, is it still a big bag? She's putting it and giving it away to friends and things. Just sending people dried rosemary. Probably got cops cop soon. It's
1: all... Oh, say hello. Hello. The big bag is divided already for family, and that's what we have. Yeah. It was a big white bag. Full. <laughs> that... That big. <laughs> took me hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Channel Four top ten and all four. I'm not interested. Go away. No. uh Karen Williams. We have the glass you drunk off in Healing Island, 2008. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've I signed a few glasses. I've loads of things get nicked off me. I think the worst thing the worst thing ever got nicked. <laughs> I was playing in Liverpool, right? And, and I, I used to have a number plate, F1SHS, right? That was, I, I think I mentioned it before, it was one of the most stupidest things I ever bought. I spent nine grand. It was like, you know, this was in about 1989, just when I moved up here. I remember Andy Field, who was my, my, my manager, one of my managers at the time with John Cavanaugh. He said, he said, oh, I've got these number plates. It was just when they started releasing the number plates, F1SHS. Oh, yeah, yeah. Had a few drinks, and then I remember being next door, and I was on the phone auction, and I went, and it went up and up and up, and I just went, yeah, up, just another hundred, dollar. yes, sir, it's yours, and it was like, I, I think it was, I think it was nine grand I paid for it. It was ridiculous, and it was like, by the time I just had, I'd been given a big publishing deal, so I bought it at my publishing company. Thank God, I managed to sell it, and I got my money back eventually. But it was. Um, but I had this number plate, F1 SHS, and the thing with kinda, those kind of number plates, you're asking for trouble, really. Because, either the cops know where you are. You know, if you're driving about at night and it was on a Caravelle van that we were using for touring, I mean, if you want to get pulled, right, that was the van you were going to get pulled. Oh, that's a great story. Just remember the story with the Caravelle. But, anyway, F1 SHS, right, the number plate, in Liverpool, parked up outside, the gig, both the number plates got nicked, torn off the, the car, right, so, yeah, it's the payback for all the shit I stole the waiter and the fiberglass waiter and everything. It's like, it's yin and yang, you know, so. Yeah, I remember James Cassidy, who was, uh, when he was up here working on, on Songs of mineral just when I got the Caravel, he had to go to the airport to, um, he had to go to the airport to pick somebody up or something. And he took the Caravel and drove up the Edinburgh bypass. And there was a bunch of seagulls in the, the middle of the road. So he decided to charge them down in the Caravel van. And I think it must have been early in the morning when the seagulls were asleep and he hit a bunch of them. And one of them went right through the radiator. <laughs> Bastardos. <laughs> yeah. The other thing with the Caravel van. Again, it was back on that. Uh, it'd be the same tour. It was when, when, after Polydor dropped me, I was busted, man. I was busted right I was like we had no income and I had to go back and start playing all these gigs because you know I had nothing <laughs> and I was we were I'd just come out all sorts of kind of legal stuff that I've told you about before and we were playing all the, these shows and I remember we um, it, 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 it actually got in the papers right and um, we played down in uh, Carlisle we did this gig in in Carlisle in this really horrible little shitty cellar bar, and uh, and it was that it was actually a gig that Mar- I tried to book for Marillion in 1982, and they booked us and we drove all the way down to Carlisle from North Berwick where we were based at my mom and dad's house in Beach Road, drove all the way down to Carlisle in the big green comer van and turned up, and the place was shut. <laughs> there was no gig. I'm going to drive all the way back up. And um, I think that was the night when we got pulled over and uh in the green comer van, and we got pulled over by the cops and I'm sitting in the front, and I still had the vestiges of makeup on and stuff from gigs because i didn't clean my face up really well I didn't really put the moisturizer on it Some's got these big kind of like black rimmed eyes and stuff, and the cops pulled us over, and they said, uh know what are you guys doing this says, we're a band right and uh, we're a band." said, are you some sort of religious cult? That's what they said. <laughs> On you go, son. <laughs> but the caravel coming back from Carlisle, right, way back, this was, well, we're coming back about, like I said, about, it was a summer's night and it was still pretty bright, right? And I was, um, who was driving the van? I think it was Kevin was driving the, the van and it was roadie that was kind of, and I was in the back, and I think it was actually my birthday as well. And um, we were all, we'd all had a few bottles and stuff, you know what I mean? We were because it was after the gig, driving back for Carlisle. And um, uh, Kevin, in the gloom, right, suddenly stops and he says, "He says I think I just saw a, a, a woman. It's a woman just walking along the side of the road, and it was a big, long, empty stretch of road in the wilderness, right." And he said, I think it was a woman. He said, but it could have been a guy in a dress, right? And I'm going, well, if it's a woman, we can't let her be walking about on, on the on the road at this time. It was the A7, right? And um, and, uh, he turned the van around. And we, we drove back, and as we drove back, right, in the headlights, we saw a guy in a dress wearing Wellington boots, Right? Which also transpired to be full of baked beans. <laughs> really, really, full of baked wellies, full of baked beans. And he was wearing this rubber dress, right? And we're going like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh. And he had the be beard and everything, right? So we turned around and it was like, kind of, who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you here? And why are you dressed like that, right? And he was the guy. was like, thanks for stopping. Thanks. <laughs> And he'd been on a stag night and his mates had basically left him. they stripped him, put him in a dress, put wellies on his feet, filled them full of baked beans and left him, right, with a tent, right, in the middle of nowhere. And he was getting married the next day. You know, number one, you'd never go on a stag night on the night before your your wedding, never, right? So anyway, it was like, and he's going, "Uh," and we're still looking at him going... Are you a nutter? <laughs> Are you a real nutter? Right? And anyway, we got him in we got him into real car, I've already got one. Um we got him into the van, right? And he told us his story, and he was like, Well, I was having some pros and pros. Blah, blah, blah. And we thought we'd do the sort of play the Jim Morrison, but <laughs> some of you might know this, but Riders in the Storm. Which is the story behind Riders on the Storm was that Morrison kind of like he had this he made up this story about how they actually killed somebody and buried them in the desert, right? <laughs> and the guys were all wasted in the back, were going, you know, we could kill him and get away with it, you know, nobody would know. <laughs> and the guy sitting in front going,
2: oh.
0: <laughs> Anyway, we drove him all the way back to Edinburgh. And he said, "Thank you very much." He said, "You've saved my life." He said, "Like you know." We dropped him off down at the Pleasance in Edinburgh. That's where his flat was. And he got married the next day and he, he actually went to the papers and he said, I want to thank Fish for like, you saving my wedding day, which was kind of really cool. So the Caravelle, that Caravelle F1SHS, had a lot of history to it. Uh, Fred Wagenburg, hello. Helen going to sing? No, but I'll do a little recital. Recital. Paul Slayton's? Glad your number plate was not Dick. <laughs> The Front Page Club. Andrew Gash, well done. The Front Page Club. Right. <sighs> Paul Margerson, F1SHS, is on a green Aston Martin now, seems. Wow, a green Aston Martin. I wouldn't mind a green Aston Martin. He <laughs> it was like, it's bound to belong to some... Oh. Julia Melbourne, good evening. Hello. Uh Hank, but have fun. I'm leaving. Sorry, Hank. Young Kerubkima. I'm on Michael Shine Schneider. Hello again, Raymond Jeek. Uh, <laughs> Tissa De Martini. You are a religious cult. You have us. Yes. Let us all pray. Right. 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 Linda Dublin. Was that the van called Margaret? Margaret was the Green Comer van, and Margaret uh, died in battle. Uh, it died in battle near Hastings, and we got rid of it um, during the Market Square Heroes recording. That was when it finally gave up the ghost. It was a big walk-through Commer van. It was, and we used to have two big sixty by forty uh, speakers. They used to sit right behind the driver's seat, and behind that was all the gear. So what used to happen was we had the driver, and somebody else used to get the front seat, which was demonically uncomfortable, and everybody else kind of sat on the sixty by forties. And if you wanted to sleep, you had to climb all the way into the back of the van and there was a big sleeping bag that went over the top of the gear. It was, uh... But yeah, we had that on the whole 82 tour. We drove all the way around Scotland in that. Uh... Les Halliday, give us a shout out, Fish. Oh, dodo. Let's Steel. Yep, 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 yep. Right, let's move it on. Jungle Raid. This will probably get. I don't don't have Joe Dick if you're watching tonight, but uh, this is like a real Dalkeith thing, right? Right. And um, I know, I know, Jungle Raid. That is the jungle ride. See that? The jungle ride belonged to, it was the Cadonas. Now the Codonas, I'll read you a wee thing. Just give me some background in all this. All right. The rosemary's starting to, to perk up a bit. Sorry. We've got rosemary. I put rosemary on the fire. So that's all the stalks or uh, the rosemary that someone was um, getting off and rattling in the jars. So I threw all the stalks on top of the, the wood-burning stove. And... Uh, <laughs> what with my luck? And you see, the, the, the heat starts to like, spin the scent the around, which is fantastic, so the place is really starting to smell the rosemary. See, if you had smell the vision, you'd catch it. Yeah. But, uh, but if it catches... If I suddenly have to dart up and you hear the sound of a fire extinguisher going off... It's because the <laughs> rosemary's got up in flames. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Cadona family. C O D O N A. Right. The Cadona family came from Italy to Scotland in the early 19th century. They were a circus family and of the country as entertainers. One branch of the family left Glasgow in the early 1900s and went to America, then moved to Mexico and formed a trapeze act which eventually became the world famous Flying Cadonas. Right. And I knew about them. With the advent of of the Cinematograph. cinematograph. The family in Scotland opened a travelling picture show and eventually opened cinema halls in the east of Scotland. It was during this time that steam-driven fairground rides started to appear and the family owned and toured with various popular rides, including the Galloping Horses, the Dragons, the Mont Blanc, the Switchback, the Cakewalk, the Jungle Ride, Auto Scooters and the Wall of Death. The Cadona family also opened at the turn of the century, the first permanent amusement park in Scotland. This was called the Fun City and was located at Portobello in Edinburgh. The family operated two roller coasters at this time. The figure eight was located at Fun City and the other travelled Scotland visiting various towns and cities. The figure eight uh, coaster visited Aberdeen for the first time in 1926 at Codona Spring Holiday Fair. It was located at Kitty Brewster, Mart along with many other rides and attractions owned by the Codona family. The Aberdeen Cadona family continued to operate the travelling fairground business, and in 1969, won the tender to operate the amusement park at Aberdeen Beach. The previous operators, John Crowe and Sons, had operated the park from the end of World War II. The managing director of the business at this time was Alfred B. Cadona. He was assisted by his two sons, Alan Cadona and Barry Cadona. Since its conception, Cadona's amusement park has continually redeveloped and has become an institution to all Aberdonians, young and old. The company has continually invested into new ledger amenities, including 10-pin bowling, adventure golf, kids' play areas, and, of course, exciting rides for the amusement park. The company is presently run by the third generation of Codona family, Andrea, John, and Alfred. There you go. The Codona family. My granddad, William Dick, was big mates with the Codona family. And... In the in the down in um, where I played, my dad had this place, my family had this place. My, my, it belonged to him, my, my, my grandmother and my grand my granddad, and it was called Granny's Park. And Granny's Park was down. Uh, it was to the, the north of Dalkeith, and it was just it was right on the side of uh, the River Esk, and it was by Douglas Flour Mill, which I remember burning down when I was really really young, and. It was basically a big piece of wasteland, right? That my dad always wanted to develop or, or, or turn into houses, but the council would never give him planning permission for it, and it just lay derelict. But there were huge sheds down there, and um, massive sheds. There were sheds that were big enough to put a double-decker bus in, which they were used for sometimes. And they were about, oh God, 75, 80 meters long. Right, with great big doors, right, and I used to love it when the the doors opened. It was a really creepy place, because it was built right into the back of the hill, and that hill was where the, the the New Edinburgh Road went up past my my father's garage, Dick Brothers, and um, and in these big sheds, I used to remember going in when I was really young, and going in and finding all these horses from fairground rides. I mean, it was like I seen it a movie, and Needless to say, it's part of one of the things that I've been... It's one of the subject matters I've been considering for writing. But Granny's Park, the big sheds, right, at Granny's Park, and every winter there used to be caravans were parked in there and it was the show people, right? And my granddad used to let the Codonas have this for free and he'd give them the big sheds, so... He had a thing going with the I don't my, my granddad was a little bit of a kind of rogue, right? From what I know, he was a colourful character. <laughs> and um, anyway, he had a thing with, with the, the, the fairground guys and my, he let them uh, stay down there. And I used to remember going down in the winter and there'd be these beautiful caravans down there and huge trucks, you know. And there was the, the, the rides that were all pulled down. And what they used to do was service the rides in in the big sheds. And um, it was, um, I think the guys were great. And I also remember the Alsatian dogs and stuff, like they were kind of guarding the caravans and things. It was all part of it. And this all came through in, in, in the Jungle Ride song. But, right? So it was my family, the thing with the cordonettes, and I've got to say a big hello. I don't know if you're watching, Ralph, and I hope you're doing well, and I hope you're healthy and sane. But Ralph Richardson, you know, slams you, because uh, Ralph let me into Ralph actually Watson Fairground writes for a long time, and he told me a lot of the, the stories, and actually told me the history of the raids, which was absolutely fascinating. And the Jungle Raid used to be called the Ark, and it was basically on this ride it was it was a a waltzer platform right which means that you've basically got a ride um uh you've seen them the waltzers it kind of it's a disc that spins and it's got rises on it so it's like whoa and then you go down round and round faster and faster a waltzer platform and the ark was the original one which i think Ralph will surely correct me if i'm wrong but it was built in the 1920s and the ark had all animals that was why it was the ark and then it was modernized and it became the jungle ride And they still were the animals on it. But when I discovered the jungle ride, um, the jungle ride, it was motorbikes. It was like wooden motorbikes, right? And kind of chariots, right? So it was like, um, there were like seats where you could, I think it was like three each side, you faced each other, and then you got the motorbikes and stuff. And, you know, they didn't move. I mean, they were completely static on the water platform. And that was the jungle ride. And... Twice a year, um, the shows we call them the shows. Germans, you call Europeans and, and other people call it the fair, right? Or but we call it the shows, right? And the shows came to Dalkeith twice a year, and I used to love it when the shows came, right? And you know, my dad used to take me up, right? Um, he used to always go up about six o'clock or something, you know, before he got you know too busy, you know. And he used to take me up and. This is it. I found this. This, that. Get a sweat, right, Get the light of it. That was the cover that Mark Wilkinson did, which was um, it was to be for obviously goldfish and clowns, right? And it was all part of the memory. I don't know what was going on in my head at that time when we were writing it. But that was, it was a single cover, it was never used. Goldfish was gonna be a single, and we, we actually, there's an edit. when a, a pretty decent edit, but it just never happened. I didn't have the money to put another single out, so i all I've got is that. So, and it's gorgeous. And that's what I remember when I was a kid. And it was like, I'm, of course, my dad knew all the show, show guys as well. I mean, obviously being introduced by my granddad. So my dad knew all, all the show people. And uh, i used to go around, and you know, I remember putting the, the the balls in the mouth, the ping pong balls in the mouth of, of these the clowns, you know, trying to get the numbers. And I always got a goldfish, right? And I always, and sometimes I, I I remember I came back with three goldfish, but they never lasted, you know, a little plastic bag of goldfish, and you're walking down, you watch it, and the leak coming out, going, go get home, they go get home, go get home, go, the leak, leak. And they never lived they never lived these goldfish like i think you know <laughs> i don't know what it was but they never ever lived But i mean uh but it's, it was the the darts and the air like sh- the shooting the, the air guns i used to think was fantastic i loved the shows but there was um there was a couple of rides that was kept for the for older kids and stuff you know you get on them i remember being on one when i was. When I was a little girl, the, the, you know, the spinning standard figure and shit on the rock on the horse, right? Same horses that I saw in the big shed down at Granny's Park. But I remember, if you walk down the high street in Dalkeith towards the King's Gates, which was to the, um, to the east of the town, down the high street, and right outside the, the old jail, right, where there was a mark on the, on the cobbles where they used to burn the witches, seemingly, right, where they used to hang people, um, that was where the jungle ride was. And it was the fastest ride, right? And it was. It operated all. I mean, all the way through a Saturday, it would it would operate. But as the darkness fell, it suddenly became really menacing, and the lights flashing and stuff. And it drew me, and it, it just captivated me. And it was a. And. I used to go. You know, I used to go on the jungle as I got older, you know. It was like, you know, my dad take me on and stuff when it was when before it got too late. Because when it got late, the music went up, and it was all the rock and roll stuff, and it was all kind of the chart, uh, um, all the chart songs, all the rock songs and stuff, you know. And it got louder and louder, and the lights got brighter, and the ride got faster, right? And the clientele. Got a little bit more rough, and of course you got the guys coming out of the pubs and things. But um, and the crowds always gathered around the jungle ride, you know, late at night. it was where you know, and it was all the gangs, and it was kind of it was the the, the centre of attraction or the attraction at the centre. And um, and you know when I became a teenager, you know, I used to go up there on my own and stuff, and you know. We never bothered with the clowns and the goldfish anymore. It was like, it was always like, you just went up to go on the jungle ride, right? And the thing with the jungle ride was, there was all the different gangs. There was Young Woody, who was uh, the gang for Woodburn, Young, Young Woody. Then there was Dandy, Young Dandy, which was the Dander gang. And then you got the Gilly Boys, who were, came for gilmartin who were a bit rough. <laughs> they were kind of tasty. I think <laughs> the Palaeans. <Parliament. laughs> and uh, they used to scare the show of me, right? Because I wasn't a gang member, you know? But you'd have all these ruffians. And on top of that, you know, you, you had all the guys that were... the guys that were working the rides, you know? And I knew some of them, right? And they'd always kind of, oh, on you go, man, right? you would Bert's that eh? On you go, right? And, um... But the thing was that all the gangs would like, they'd stand around different sections. So like, you know, you, you, they, they'd all, they kind of like act like, they'd like be numbers on the clock face, you know, around it, you know, the different gangs. And you had your kind of individual characters, right? That were there as well, right? That were um, quite scary. Right? So, and that was what it was. It was, it had a kind of had a high adrenaline vibe, you know? And, um, the thing was that, you know, when you got on, you always try to go on the motorbike. You didn't want to go in the chariot. You wanted the motorbike, right? And, um, and the ride did go round, right? And you always hoped that when it stopped, right, it didn't stop next to a gang that maybe didn't like your face that much, because you were going to get a kick in. (laughs) And, uh... And it was always, you're always very humble, and you keep, keep on the motorbike, keep your head down. There was none of this like, hey, look at me, or anything like that. You know, other people did that. And of course, there was always the challenges to the roustabouts that were actually working the ride as well. And there was always a couple of kickoffs. But I mean, the thing was, if it did kick off, and that was it. It was it had this air of violence, and and it was sexy as well. And the thing was that you know, you get the the girls, the, the good looking girls and stuff, would get on with their mates, and they would all sit in the in the little chariots and stuff. And of course, in every, you're looking at them, you know, and you're going, "Oh, she's really beautiful." And just wait until she k- kind of came round on the Walter platform again, like, "Oh, there, there she is." You know, and you know, you'd have your little fantasies. You know, maybe someday you've got a bit of a kind a, a, um, of, bit a thing about you know, somebody you was at school with, and you'd be standing there, and again, hoping that when the ride stopped, that they might just be getting off where you're standing and go, "Oh, hi, how you doing?" Like, you know, I was rubbish at that crap. Rubbish at. It. Um, but that was where the song came from, and uh, that was kind of um, the basis of it all. And like I said, I, I kind of took the Jungle Ride on, but the, the thing was, it was like, <clears throat> with the Jungle Ride and with the, the, the shows, right, it was like they would roll into town, right, and, it, and it would, they'd just take over the entire High Street from basically the New Edinburgh Road all the way down to the King's Gates and take it all over, right. And they'd park up all the, the caravans and stuff at the back. And sometimes if you if you took a shortcut or you came through one of the alleys, wee venos to go into the high street, and if you went around the back and you'd see the dogs that I talked about in Granny's Park, you know, the Alsatians chained up underneath the caravans and they're, they're watching you, you know, just in case somebody decides to break in. Because obviously there's a lot of cash flying about at the shows. And... um and it was it was like, when you took that step back from the lights and stuff into where the, the caravans and, and the, the kind of the working people were, you know? It was like a different world, you know? And I, I kind of knew both worlds. But I think that was one of the reasons why, I don't know, maybe that's why I got into music, why I got into rock and roll. I loved the vibe, right, of it all, you know? I never worked on any of the rides. I never worked with the guys, you know? But I just thought it was fantastic. And it was a weird thing. I mean I, when I was really young I used to go to St Nicholas Church which was just down from where the jungle Ride was and you know you'd kind of go up you you'd go up with your mum and dad to church in the morning if you're going for the 11 o'clock service right I'm not religious by the way but back then it was mandatory to go to go to the church right and you'd go up there and you'd see them knocking the gear down and stuff and the, and then the high street would be gone you know like all these people all, no, they'd all move on to the next town and I don't know. I think I found something kind of amazing about that, and I, I think it, it captured my imagination. And I think, honestly, that that's why I ended up becoming a touring musician. I think, you know, part of that kind of pulled me in. Between that and my granddad being, you know, he was a bus operator. They used to run all these buses and stuff. And I think you put that all together, right? And you can kind of, I can kind of see where I kind of came from. But that whole. The shows and the excitement and the music and the lights and everything. I mean, pff, go figure, right? Well, but that was why I kind of wrote it. And, uh, hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's double. we got a new printer. <laughs> it's been double side now. Great, brilliant. It doesn't put numbers in the pages though, does it? <clears throat> right. and I wanted to do a spoken a spoken word thing, so when Robin came up with that guitar riff, it was like you know it fitted in, and I'd written masses of this this lyric, you know, at that time, right? So I can read it because I don't have to sing. <laughs> I, I love it, and. Um, but I, I kind of I wanted to modernise it. I, I, I wanted to kind of I didn't want to write about you know the Dalkey shows. I wanted to to use the Jungle Ride because Jungle is another name. Their gang is called the Jungle in in Glasgow. There was uh, and I think Edinburgh the Jungle. There was a uh, there were big gangs and um, you you get such and such Jungle or whatever, right? And I wanted to tie the gang kind of mentality in, in, into the Jungle Ride thing and, and bring it all together. And modernise it. Uh, so this was it. The car finally burned out around three. The blue beacon of a silent patrol car threw new shadows into the street, turning the window into a flickering monitor screen. I'd seen the kids torch the vehicle before I left on a nightly surfing run to a cybersex site in Chile. It wasn't as if they were getting rid of Prince. Everyone knew it was them. They just didn't give a shit. They just wanted to see the flames, to throw a bit of light on a situation. I looked up the hill at the spread of the estate. The streetlights glowed like campfires of an army on the eve of battle or fireflies trapped in the canopy of an immense jungle. Jungle. Young, mental jungle. In the jungle where men don't cry and husbands lie and you never have to justify a kicking. When mates jump in to save your skin if a chib is ever pulled out in a square go. Jungle ride. Tell me when it's over. Jungle ride. Tell me when it ends. The glazed eyes of porcelain clowns stare skywards at clouds of goldfish, madly circling their own silent plastic worlds high above the children who stuff ping-pong balls like pills in the mouths of slowly rotating heads. Intentions true as the arrow's flight wins a cuddly toy to while away an evening. Outside this ring of light he'll claim his prize. She'll sport love bites just to prove to all he's been there. Jungle ride, tell me when it's over. Jungle ride, jungle ride, tell me when it ends. Here she comes round again. Here she comes round again. I crept along the edges of the parade, staying glued to the shadows where the dogs slept uneasily on their chains under the caravans. I followed the drums and the pulsing light until I came across a clearing in the center of which was the attraction. And then I saw an angel in a chariot, her hair trailing behind her like the tail of a comet, and I knew I knew that she was mine I knew that we were destined to leave this place together we didn't belong to this carnage and the knowledge of escape was the only thing that was keeping me sane but for now I could only watch and wait for this was an arena that I dare not enter on the rim of the machine the animals had gathered Big cats at a waterhole waiting on the weak and wounded to stagger into their territory so they could exercise some violence and feed their starving reputations. No climb down in this standoff with the world. They already knew that they were never going to win the war, but in this battle they're going to do some damage. The pack will follow the stragglers into the dawn. Young mental jungle. Jungle ride, jungle ride, tell me when it's over. Jungle ride. Jungle ride, tell me when it ends. Jungle ride, jungle ride, tell me when it ends. Because here she comes round again. Here she comes round again. Here she comes round again. Here she comes. Here she comes. Yeah, and that's—I love that. I loved. I'm really proud of that. That piece of writing and just, just the imagery of it all. I mean, you know, guys trying to get a quickie at the back of the, the shows and things like that, and you know. And like I said, you I mean the pack will follow the stragglers into the dawn. It was like, you know, when the whole thing started to shut down and like, it was, there was a lot of very, very pissed up people and the ride, you know, that was it, was all over and everybody's filing away into the darkness. That was, you didn't want to be there at that time because if you if somebody hadn't pulled or got what they wanted that night, it was like, you know, they could um, take their frustrations out of you in a, in a different way but i was never i was never part of that whole gang scene and stuff but but the best version i, d- I decided i didn't want to play the album version right because uh it was um the best uh, the, the the best live one that uh that i think we ever did and it shows and like i said when i played it this afternoon i decided to go for this one because it's just there's sometimes when you're on a stage you can be so in tune with a song and and what that song's about, and in Prezmo in Poland when I was out and it was a great band. It was Mickey Simmons who did, was playing best he ever played was on that tour. It was Mickey Simmons, Robin Bolt was was the standalone guitarist, Steve vances and uh, and Dave Stewart on drums. It was an incredible outfit and. You know, I drifted back from two guitars, gone down to one. Robin's doing it. I mean, we had—I had for other reasons—I had to go with one guitarist. And, um, but at Przemil in Poland, and it was filmed. It's on the Sunset, it's an Empire DVD. And when I look at it, when I look at that at the film from Przemil, right? I, when I see that person on stage, I am detached from the world, right? and I look in my eyes especially at the end of the song and I am just gone absolutely gone and I can in the pitch of, in the pitch of the delivery I just ran it and it started off and just accelerated and grew in dynamic and energy and just went bang and like I said the band were absolutely you know full peak and um so I thought I'm going to play you this one because the emotion that's in it. I would never... Callum Malcolm would never have allowed me to do this in a recording studio because it is a live delivery. The remote.
2: Right. Let's sit down.
0: I'll put you across here so you can watch the fire. Oh, the rosemary's smelling brilliant, darling. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ramp this up a little bit as well. It's my favourite version of this. Kum I don't know. no. No
2: Clean. The blue beacon of a silent patrol car threw new shadows into the street Turning my window into a flickering monitor screen I'd seen the kids touch the vehicle before I left On a nightly something run to a cyber sex sighting jelly It wasn't as if they needed to get rid of prints or anything Everybody knew it was there they just didn't give a shit. They just wanted to see some flames to throw their light in the situation. I looked up the hill at the spread of the estates and the street lights glowed like campfires of an army on the eve of battle or like fireflies trapped in the canopy of an immense
3: jungle. Jumping
2: Jumping When you don't cry And a husband's lie I have to justify a kicking When we struggle To save your skin If a is ever pulled out In a squeeze
3: Yes, you can't try it again. Yes, you can't again. Yes, you can't. Yes, you
2: The glazed eyes of porcelain clowns steer skyward and clouds of goldfish madly suffering their own silent plastic walls high above the children who stop pinball balls like pills and the mumps are slowly reticent heads. And change an animal's fly when are coming time to while we the evening i'm you queen this prize she's full of wits just, just the to these
3: You you Clap shit,
2: Beneath the caravan, I followed the drums and the pulsing light till I came across a clearing in the center of which was their traction. And then I saw an angel and a child, her hair was blowing tale of a hunk. Oh, and you,
3: and you, the shoes mine. And you, that we were destined to leave this place together. Because we didn't
2: belong to this kind and the knowledge of escape. Well, that was the only thing that was keeping me Just come out! I can only watch and wait. For this was an arena that
3: I dare not enter.
2: On the run of the machine, the animals
3: have gathered. Big cats are watered. legend I'm so that they can exercise the violence and feed the starving reputation. No claim down to the stand of the war. For they already will you
2: that they could never win the war. But in this battle, they are going to do some damage. Strike us
3: and tear us. Jump around, around, Jump around, jump around, So.
0: Impressional. It's on uh, the Sunsets and Empire remaster album. Like I said, you could never do that in the studio. It's just full beam, full-on performance. And like I said, you know, my eyes at the end of it, they're like, they're just black. It's just pure and utter violence. It's like young, mental jungle. Who's <laughs> was... Uh, yeah, <laughs> blew my voice the next day. Actually, it rained so much in Preshwell. It was really strange. And um, <laughs> I remember asking, before you went on the stage, how do you pronounce this place? P-R-Z-E-S-M-Y. How, where are we? <laughs> Preshwell. <laughs> and it pissed them with rain. And it's a, it was a beautiful town, right? or beautiful city. And, um, and we were in a an old house that looked across onto the stage. And it was a uh, like about a four-story house or something. And it was full of antiques. Didn't they anything. <laughs> no, we'd be dead. But it was, uh, <laughs> and I remember just watching this rain fall all the way through the afternoon, just absolutely pissing it down. And I, I, we were wondering whether we were going to go on stage. And when we went to the backstage area, there was no, there was nothing. We just stood there. And I was in my stage clothes, just getting pitched up upon. There was a guy a guy with an umbrella standing three feet away from me. <laughs> a little mini umbrellas. And uh, and on the actual video, you can see the, the 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 steam coming off my body. You know, and I was dancing that night. I was I really. Through everything at the performance, I think we were just so glad to to get on the stage, and uh, it was um and it, it's just a fantastic it was a fantastic show, and I think the combination of the rain and being you know super primed and 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 putting so much in uh, into the performance it was kind of um, and coming off cold and wet, I got hit by a virus basically when two days, I think we had to go up to Gdansk and, and we did a show in Gdansk and it was all over right after that and I, I lost my voice for about uh, about, uh, about three, four days, I think it was and um, blew some, I blew some shows. In fact, I think it was, we went down to Krakow and we were doing, I think it was the same time and we, we did a, a show in, in Krakow and I pulled it. It was uh, b- before we even went on it like a TV performance and I pulled it, I'd no voice, absolutely no voice. But I mean, it was just, it was, you look back then, it was like, oh my God, you know, oh shit, shit, shit. I mean, it's like to lose your voice on a tour is utter despair. It's its the most, it's the most crumbling feeling of just crappiness, right? When you, when you can't, when you don't have a voice on tour and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? I wish they could invent a voice that you could do, like false teeth that you could take out your throat and put in a little glass at the side of your bed at night. And then have another one to go in just to keep on doing it. But um, but back then it was like, I was absolutely kiboshed and Preshmo, right? But it was, but the show was just incredible. It took me ages to negotiate to get the, 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 the film back. And um, and it was, uh, so like I said, I mean, I actually took the audio off the, the, the DVD and it's all we used. All the sunsets material, including a cracking version of Goldfish and Clowns. In fact, we got time to do it. Fuck it, you know. Where is it? This is the Sunsets and Empire remaster. But uh, where is it? Four. Yeah, this is a great version as well. It was just one of those. One of those. You get two, two songs tonight. They didn't even choose this one. You get this one. It's free. <laughs> better than Spotify, this, isn't it? Hang on, let me see where I can get. Uh, bingo, bingo, Why not wrong way. Wrong way. Three. This is Goldfish and Clowns from the same gig. So I can actually put the thing, we can, we can go back to like the, the bits. It's a great, really lovely version of this. Even though I say so myself. This is definitely a late so I've lost the bloody remote <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> Got carried away there Lost the remote in the darkness oh, The lights are going back on again Shall we go through the kitchen? Yeah but it was um, uh, That whole thing well, A lot of people don't know this but um, that was uh, written with Stephen Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Wilson pocket entry. Stephen and I wrote that. So uh, it just goes to show it was a, that was a, it was great working with Stephen on that. And uh, like I said, I mean, it's not planned, but I mean it's, it's kind of you know like I said Stephen sending me the the, the, the email last week telling me about his tour, Mrs. Dick.
1: Hello,
0: fish. This- Wine. Rosebeady. No. What are we having today, darling?
1: We're having filo pastry pockets filled with salmon and white cabbage. But not to be posh. It's only because I keep on buying filo pastry and I forget about it. And this nearly has We've a sold by date. Yeah? Yeah. And that's for Liam because he's vegan.
0: Oh, the kibosh, it's great. Mm. So what, what you do with the, what you do with the field pitch there? I... Is that the internal or the field pitch the internal or the wraps?
1: That's the things, I just three layers and then I fill it with this and then I tie it up with um, chives.
0: There's a salmon going there as well? Yes. Oh wow, There's some this looks There's salmon
1: in there and white cabbage.
0: You've surprised me tonight. Yeah. Is this, be, this is going to be it's going to be your
1: cookbook. I can't make a cookbook because I, I I'm not good with telling you how much I use of what. Yeah. I always add things and yeah. You
0: know. mm. oh. I just I just spotted something. In there. What <laughs> that thing? Right. Look at this. Right. <laughs> that was. That was in my mum and dad's house, and it was, <laughs> and uh, we found it, <laughs> and nobody wanted it for some reason. I don't know. It's uh, Andrew and Fergie. It's the celebration, <laughs> <laughs> ball of bells. I checked it on eBay before before I tanned it. <laughs> it's worth bugger all. And that's, these are little shot glasses that Liam made. Little tiny little. They're really cute. They're not very practical, but they're really cute. So, uh, a very small amount, but tiny amounts of alcohol. You've been <laughs> not rubbish, but yeah, the and- Do you remember when we r- We drank that Andrew Fergie bottle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, it was like we, we took the stopper out, and the cork yeah, was yeah. absolutely rotten. <laughs> it was rotten, <laughs> and it just came apart. So, um, we managed to like we managed to sieve, <laughs> we managed to sieve the whiskey out. It was just one of those nights where we just decided to go batshit crazy, and it was. Uh, <laughs> And drunk Android things. but we kept the bottle as a reminder of how pathetic we were that night. Right? and it's just a really horrible lit relic. <laughs> I think I think they went for about thirty quid or something on, on eBay <laughs> the Android Fergie decanter. <laughs> and I am a not a royalist by any stretch of the imagination. Right? But it's looking great though. Yeah. Yeah. how How's your herbs Are You tell me about the herbs of the rabbits.
1: Oh, they ate all my herbs, right to the ground. I was so upset, and I was a little bit angry. I must admit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You you nearly gave me permission to shoot them.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true.
0: <laughs> that's great though.
1: <clears throat>
0: These look amazing.
1: Yeah, they, they taste amazing, and you have it with horseradish.
0: Oh yeah, salmon we and all sorts before I remember. Yeah, brilliant. I'm a lucky guy. Ah, it's brilliant. And that was uh, Simona's bread. Old. Yeah. Old though. And I went down, when I got my ear syringe today, there was a little baker's shop just next door. You can see the lights on. That's the lights in uh, um, the greenhouse, the grow lights. So I keep them on until about now. o'clock. I need to go and switch the lights off. So I keep the grow lights on, so trying to boost the chilies and the tomatoes. But I get really nervous once they start, when this, once they start popping through, and like the melons came through, the cucumbers are through, the frames are up. How does this work? So um, yeah, it's been a oh yeah. I, I thought I had mice problems, right? I saw that thing uh, about a week ago. It was about... And it was about the plague of mice in Australia. I don't know what's happened in Australia. I don't know whether they've really upset the big man or something because it's like, you know, there's like floods and fires. And, but it, it was it was, honest to God, it was biblical, right? And it's, if you Google it, Australian, Australian mice plague, right? And, uh, there was like... A guy put a, a, a film in his, his backyard and there were literally thousands of mice, kind of thousands of mice, like, scattering across, the, outside his house. And I'm going, fucking hell, that is a VC in, in, infiltration, right? Uh, but I had, um, it was great, uh, because I've got the cold frames out there and there's not, I hate it, I'd say this. I've mentioned this before, it's like, there's nothing worse when you've been growing something for weeks and weeks, and you've seen it come through, and you've grown it up, and it's got up to about you know two inches in height, and you're going, "Yep, this is just about the right time to move them on," and you leave out and a bastard mouse gets in the, inside the propagator. I mean, I've got you have to seal every tiny entrance for these bastards, right? And they get in, and they don't eat them. It's like they, it's, it's, they're, they're like you know gangsters, right? They just go in and just nibble them and drop them. Oh, delay that. Shh, no, delay that. Shh, delay that. And it's just like a felled forest of little tomato plants. And uh, so I, I, I primed all the rat traps. I put poison down. I've got these, these traps where nothing else can go in. So like birds can't eat it or anything like that. And the, 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 the Victor Charlie's got to go in. Vermin Charlie's got to go into the, 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 the trap and then they nibble it and come out. I found two mice dead by the coal frames Brilliant. Rock on That's the only thing I'm allowed to kill around here. The pheasants, as you saw earlier on, they survive and they're happy and they've got so used to us now that you can get as close as I did, you know, right at the top of the programme. And, um... But, I mean, the vermin, Charlie, it's like, you know, they drive me nuts. So I had to prime the traps. I was really glad to see them because I feel a bit more comfortable about having having the cold frames. I mean, I know they're little creatures and da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. If you're a gardener, And you put all that effort into stuff and then something just comes along and destroys it, then I go mental, right? So so anyway, I've got two mice. This is another thing I've got to say. I've got to say a really big, big thank you to Carsten and Gabby Putz from Germany, right? I've got to say a huge thank you because they sent me... A caramac bar. And I thought I'd eat it on here tonight because it's brilliant. Oh That's caramac, right? You see it? Oh Hmm. God That magic. I'm gonna grab a wee bit because I've got you to feel the pastry salmon stuff with a horseradish. Well, thank you very much, Carson and Gabby, for finding that, because I hadn't found it over here for a while. And I've got an appointment with a dentist on the 19th of April, you know, because I've got toothache. It's just started, you know. Lockdown toothache. What a bastard. Well, mm, Talk amongst yourself. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, sugar rush. Baby, baby, baby. Ray Provost, not the VC back. No, we're keeping them under control. you just got to watch. I'm not seeing any rats around, but... If any if any of you got um, bird feeders... I mean, like I say, the starlings just hit. And they just throw the stuff all about the place. I mean, it's like... It's like some maniac going into a, a, a big Mac, a, a McDonald's and, and want a fill of fish and throwing all the Big Macs all over the place just to get the fill of fish. It's like, and the rats come in and they just go for it. So, and I'm not allowed to shoot them. I've got an air gun with a telescopic lens, well, <laughs> telescopic sight. It's officially licensed. I, am, I have got uh, an air gun license and I've got a cabinet for my gun, you know. But I'm not allowed to use it because Liam's vegan and my missus loves animals and <sighs> but it's the rabbits and you see them and they get really cocky, right? And, I'm like, and I've got and my my strawberry my strawberry bed. I've got a, a kind of fence around it to keep the rabbits out. It got taken out by the snow, so I've got to rebuild that as well. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Hendricks, old school candy. Yes, old school candy. James Smith, Caramac looks lighter in color than I remembered. Yeah, it does. It is a a different color. I remember it being a bit more yellow. And I remember, you know, talking about Granny's Park. It's like my mum and dad, when I used to get my pocket money, I used to go up to McCluskey's in the high street and I used to buy Caramac and that. I used to take it down to Granny's Park. Sitting the burnt-out cars. And that was another thing. My dad, when he had the garage, when they had the really old cars and the Scrappies didn't want them, he used to take them down and they'd come along and they'd, they'd, they'd torch them. You know? And um, they actually used flamethrowers. It was incredible. It was like, you know... Just, I actually saw... I've got maybe maybe it's just imagination, but I've got this memory. Our guy standing with a flame for like actually torching a car, like going, and the whole thing going up and burning. And um, then they took all the metal once all the shit had gone. They take all the metal away. Um,
3: <laughs>
0: it's brilliant. This is why we normally don't get chocolate in this house. I went down the other night to the court op and uh, I was passing by the racks, and I saw the the the, the Nestle's white milk chocolate bars one £1.50. Give me a break! I used to buy, I used to buy chocolate. It was only like twenty pence. Huh glad that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's brilliant. Mm. <laughs> Gone. Mm. Ben Hunter, can you do a gig on Friday? And the problem I've got with gigs, uh, <clears throat> Andrew, Andrew, Ditto, can you can you fax us a bit? I don't care. <sighs> hmm. I've left you the, the last Caramac, darling. <laughs> Thank you. no, the so much. Yeah, your Caramac's here. Thank you. Yeah, we will. We, oh, saw so some great films. Uh, uh, right. I love Cormac McCarthy's writing. I, I love, I wish I could write like Cormac McCarthy. I know. Uh, And we watched uh, uh, No Country for Old Men the other night with Tommy Lee Jones. I would love to meet Tommy Lee Jones. And, uh, you know, people talk about, like, you know, who would you like to, you know, get these questions from magazines going, name six people you would like to invite to dinner party, you know, blah, 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 alive or dead. Tommy Lee Jones, right? He's just a fascinating guy. And um, just his whole history, you know, um, ex-army, marine, Vietnam vet, and uh, and what? No country, for, no country for old men. is just such a brilliant film. What's his name again, darling? Have Javier, uh, the guy in No Country for Old Men. I don't know. Yeah, you do. What's the name, I don't know. Yeah, you remembered it yesterday. We were talking. Have, have you have Javier. You guys know, but it's one of the most evil guys, right? Ah,
1: Javier Badim.
0: Javier Bardem. 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 Right. Bardem. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's just so evil. You know, I feel like a have you know, you call heads or tails, blah, blah, blah. And just the whole, the dialogue in this movie is amazing. I know. Uh, and we watched another Tommy Lee Jones uh, film last night, which wasn't a, um, a Coen Brothers film. But, um, oh, what was that called? I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was, um... Michael Hendricks, no damn, no caramel left for us. Milkie Bar's got a mortgage. Yeah. Linda, D- oh, I missed it. Sorry, I've got to scoop down the line. <laughs> John Watson, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to eat someone's caramel. I'm not. I don't do that. I am very good. When, with my wife, I'm very, very good with that kind of stuff, like, you know, I don't, you know, if my wife gets, if we get two caramacks. my wife gets a Caramac, I, I can resist, right, Robert Thompson, yeah. look, it's here, right, it's here, it's full, in fact, I'll go through, you watch this, see, I'll go through and present the Caramac, um, I trust you with this always, I, I know you do, but there you are. Okay, witness, right uh, yeah. <laughs> there. thank you. Yeah, you love Caramac as well, don't you? Yes, uh, yeah, I
1: loved it when... when yeah, but I you... I was out with my brother when I was young. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But you, you can still buy Caramacs in Germany really easily. I think so. Yeah. Don't send us any we don't need any more. I've got too much to do. If I'm going to go be out on the road in November, I'm going to have to skip... <laughs> <laughs> Cut down on the Caramacs. And uh, oh. And what did the bastards do? They make big skittles. So you can now, because normally I do a handful of skittles to throw them in my gob, which is one of the reasons why my teeth have gone. Now they do these big skittles that are about the size of Maltesers. They're nuts, All right? Bardem. Jav. Javier Bardem. I don't know why you say Javier. Javier Bardem. Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, you better eat your tea ladder. You'll be outside with the chilies. Yeah, well, the, the fish chili has actually come through, but the chilies have been really slow. But they take ages to germinate. They drive me absolutely nuts. And it's like, okay, we've got we've got Xavier Bar then. We've all got that now. Dave Evans, I've booked Ivory Blacks in Glasgow next year for Dementia Awards Fest. Are, uh, Tommy Jones in the Fugitive, brilliant film again. Loved that. It's just that. I just like it. it's just the old guy, but I mean the thing was in in, in the book you No know, Country for Old Men, the, the McCarthy book, is just such a, a a beautiful observation, you know, and and he does the desert. I mean, like I said, when when I first started reading McCarthy, it was the a lot of the the, the Border Trilogy, which I just fell in love with, and my mum got really into it, and it, it was uh it was quite strange. It was like. Um, my mum was looking for books and she'd been reading a lot of um, kind of Berlin detective books uh, by it was Philip Kerr. And when she first moved in and she got really into reading, I bought her the entire Philip Kerr collection, who's an Edinburgh guy that writes about uh, Germany. So I'd kind of... detect Bernie Günther, I think his name is. And it's a whole detective series that's based in, you know, in Germany during the Second World War and stuff. It's, some of the books are great. But my mum loved them. But she read about... And I bought about 12, I think it was. And I kind of after about five, she went, oh, I need to do something. I need to want to read something else. And I got her a couple of books. And i have been giving her some of the, the stuff from my own kind of... My own collection, my own the library. And uh, I gave her Cormac McCarthy, and she absolutely adored it, right? And got really into it. And she read the entire Border Trilogy, right? And, um... which has been really cool. Caramac uh, Easter eggs. Oh, no. Steve Welsh, are they not bad for your eyes? What, Caramacs? Uh, oh, do that's 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 queuing on stuff. Caramacs make you blind. Uh. Linda Douglas, <laughs> I've got to go down. I'm lo- losing it. Clark, McSephony, you've not mentioned John. What? John McGinn, the overhead kick against Austria last night. I missed it. I I d I don't get Sky Sports or I won't it's too expensive for Sky Sports. And I I, I was gonna watch it on one of those kind of things where you need the VPN and, and stuff and, you know, then you end up with other in it and I just went I just watched it what one? I watched the results come in on um on the BBC channel, right? those caramel cookies Stephen Bates used to be great dunked in your tea Hi Clark aye McGinn's goal last night I've, 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 I've not seen it because it's like you know I've missed it all oh when's the is, is the rugby been played Is the rugby been played already Elaine Bithrey we can do diet with fish on Friday we're now eating choc- chocolate but it's all your fault <laughs> fish is diet on Friday I'm rubbish at diets I'm really crap at diets it was a, uh, oh, <laughs> funny story. <laughs> Back in 1985, right, it was uh, before the Misplaced album came out. Uh, this is true. <laughs> because I was, um, oh, I've got to go through. Uh, because I was kind of, I was living in Aylesbury at the time, I had own House. I was going down the White Swan in Aylesbury, which was kind of my local pub. That was that was my walk. <laughs> that was my, my exercise was to walk down Remember the White Swan? Yes. You were in the White Swan, yes. weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It was Stuart years and years and years yeah. ago. Yeah. Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Bob. He,
1: wrote,
0: he wrote me a letter. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, Bob was a his daughter. Yeah. And uh, Bob Sally died quite a few years back. He was a lovely guy. Ex, um Let me think, was he X? Ex? R-E-F, X-Navy. Anyway, he got me in a puss's rum. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he must have been navy because it was puss's rum. The most lethal rum in the world, right? And we used to go down there at the end of the night, you know, closing time and all the rest of it, you know, Bob and I got on great and... This is before Kayleigh. Kayleigh came out and suddenly I was like, you know, I became a celebrity in the pub. Bob would like get people into the pub. Fish drinks here, you know? Which did get a bit annoying sometimes, but but it was my pub. But anyway, so I was putting on a lot of weight and there was like, this must have been, let me think. It's, it, I must have come back from Lavender. I came back from the Lavender Reddit in the Hanson Studios. And I was called in. And uh, John Arneson, it was John, I think it was John Arneson, the manager, said that the record company are a bit bit concerned, right? And um, he uh, said, uh, they, they think maybe it, it might be worth you tr- trying to lose a bit of weight before Kaylee comes out and stuff. <laughs> it's great. Basically, the record company said, you're too fat, right? You need to go on a diet, right? And I was like... And, right, not very good at diets, Well, right? So, John Allison done a deal, and EMI paid for me to go to Champney's health resort, which was oh, Tring or whatever it was, I can't remember what it was. And, um, but it's a big health resort, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I went, yeah, well, cool, they're paying it. It was like a fortune. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even consider it, you know? It's like, you, if you dropped me off in the Sahara Desert and left me there for two weeks, we'd have probably accomplished an awful lot more, right? There you are, heavy on water, Sahara Desert, bagger off. Right. So anyway, and of course, it's the talk of the pub, right? Fish is going to the champ these, and I'm like going like, yeah, they've got all this weight and stuff, right? So, <laughs> So... And I had to, I, I think I checked in on the, the, the Sunday, right? And uh, I had to check in on the, the Sunday and um, you, you got the letter. So we chant ourselves, you're not allowed to bring this. You're not allowed to bring this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Blah, 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 blah right? And I went, oh God, this is going to be like going in a prison camp, right? I bet it was a very nice prison camp. Right? It was a very expensive, nice prison camp. So I'm in the pub Right, so I thought, well, I've got to go into Champneys at four o'clock, so I thought, I better get pissed up at the lunchtime session. Right, so I <laughs> myself, and all the guys are going, Good luck, mate, you're on you go, have uh, fun. You know, uh, it was, I think it was a week in, in Champneys. right, a week, as if you really going to accomplish anything in a week, you know, going to Champneys and come out like some svelte athlete with a six pack. Don't think so, right. <laughs>